Hey friends, before we get started, I want to tell you about a treat that our team has put together for you. You know that every Advent study book over the years here at She Reads Truth has had recipes and crafts for the season. Well, we have curated the top 10 recipes and crafts from previous Advent study books, and we've compiled those for you to download for free so that you can make yummy things like overnight cinnamon rolls, stroopwafels, chocolate cookie sandwiches, and so much delicious for your friends and family this holiday season. Just go to shereadstruth.com slash download and enter your email address to get all of the good stuff. That's shereadstruth.com slash download. Happy Thanksgiving and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible Williams, and it's true. I am without my co-host, Rachel Myers, once again, but this is the last week, you guys. She will be back next week. Do not worry. Our guest this week for today's episode is Bailey Hurley. You may know Bailey from our She Reads Truth devotional. She's been writing with us for a couple years now, and she is just everyone's favorite community cheerleader. She encourages women to pursue a relationship with God so that they can pursue their people in meaningful friendship. She lives in Denver with her husband, and they have three kiddos. She's just a delight to talk to and to know. And I really think that you are going to be encouraged by what she has to say as we continue to talk about biblical community and the one another commands in scripture that describe to us the way that we are to live in community with one another as believers. Her book called Together is a Beautiful Place will come out next year. So be sure to check that out as well. Without further ado, let's get right to the episode. Bailey, welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this. I have too. So you may know Bailey from our devotionals on the She Reads Truth app and website. You've been writing for us for a couple years. Mm-hmm. Yes, and yeah. it's been such a joy. It's fun to see people connect via the devotionals. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. And it's fun. You know, this series that you're joining me for today is about Christian community. It's called One Another, and it's a biblical study of Christian community. And that's what we seek to be in those spaces online is just to be a place for women to open their Bibles and for He Reads Truth, for the guys to open their Bibles and to just have conversation. And it's so cool because it's all different people from different backgrounds, different faith traditions, but we all agree that, you know, the Bible is God's word and we want to read it and we want to learn. And so thank you for being part of leading us in that way. We're just really thankful for you and your your voice and your willingness to go first in learning <laughs> from Scripture. <laughs> yes. Well, community, especially biblical community, is like, it's just my all-time favorite thing. Author Sally Clarkson said, our greatest influence is our relationships. And oh, wow. I think we see Sally, that Sally, she's so smart. <laughs> Sally is the smartest. She really is. (laughs) But I think that's modeled so well from the beginning of time where God enjoys a relationship with the Trinity Mm -hmm. all the way to Him, you know, reaching down into relationship with His creation and even through Christ who brings us back into relationship with God via His relationship with humankind. And so I'm just like, oh, man, I just— 
the idea of people being together, I'm just like, it is just the sweetest depiction, can be the sweetest depiction of just, you know, what it looks like to serve and love one another. I love that. I love that. And what a good intro to this study. We are in week two of this two-week, it's a short two-week series on biblical community and are sort of approaching it in a way that, I mean, I'd never approached it before. Our team has never approached it this way before. So we've been very excited. And what they did was um, we went to scripture and kind of called the New Testament for these one another commands. So these moments in scripture where this Greek word, and I don't know if I've been saying it right, and maybe you can tell me, Bailey, alelon, alelon? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's close enough. Where it is a word in Greek that means two words. It means one another, but it also assumes like a reciprocal relationship, like a relationship where both parties have responsibility. Mm. These commands are directed to the church with a capital C, to believers, followers of Jesus. So, you know, scripture does have a lot to say about just the way that we treat people and that, you know, humans are made in God's image and the way that we are to walk out this Christian life. But these are commands that are even more specific than that and that they are about the way that we are to have community with other believers. And it's been, I think it's safe to say, a little challenging so far. <laughs> We're only one weekend, but um, but it's been challenging, but also just really beautiful to be reminded that, yeah, this is messy and difficult, but it's also such a source of richness and blessing. Just before we kind of dive into the reading days, Bailey, I'm thinking mm-hmm. about you spend a lot of time thinking about and writing about community. Is that Mm -hmm. fair to say? And friendship. Yeah. So when it comes to specifically like community among believers, what's one thing that you've found, maybe two things, maybe one thing that you found to be the most challenging part of that, but also Mm -hmm. maybe what's the most encouraging part of that? Mm. Just if I asked you to generalize, I'm sure that's a loaded question. Absolutely. I would say that just being in community with believers, the most challenging thing is that you're going to be different. (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. You're going to be different. And I think that a lot of people can be scared off by that. I think a lot of people can walk in with unmet expectations because they assumed that community might look this way, but it's actually in reality functioning this way. Oh, that's a good, yeah. And... I want to say that I do see people, I think, giving up when community just looks different than what they imagined. And that comes from so many things. can come from a past community you had that was just incredible and so tight-knit, and you did everything together, and you were all in the same age and stage of life, and now you're in a new stage. And this new community, like, everyone's kind of figuring out one another, and maybe it didn't click right away as it did before, or... Maybe you just had never experienced healthy biblical community before, and you're kind of walking in saying, I don't know Mm -hmm. what this looks like. Is this how it's supposed to be? So I think it's just the differences on the expectations, maybe not having a clear picture of 
what God's community might look like. But the encouraging thing is, and this is something that my husband and I have experienced, is praying for affinity for one another. Um, like having this mutual affection, no matter what weaknesses or I think differences or even like a little annoyances that lie within yeah. being in community. Yeah. And so we had led a small group of like 25 men and women for five years and I think that was our biggest prayer. We're like, we obviously want to see lives transformed. We want to see people sharing life together, mm-hmm. bearing each other's burdens, all of those beautiful things. But we were like, this is a group that's formed by location, not by who is your best friend. Yeah. And so we were like, we just pray for unity. We pray that people respect one another. And I will say, and again, I'm like, maybe half credit to our, you know, energy (laughs) and effort we put into it. But wow, like the spirit of God just truly brought people Mm -hmm. together from just like you said, different backgrounds, different education backgrounds, socioeconomic status, race, family dynamics, and like had created a new family. And it was just absolutely beautiful to see each other support one another, love one another, truly enjoy each other, even when we were different. Like, and when I say different, I mean, you have been, you know, in situations or communities where like, there's just that one person who might get on your nerves, that one person who may be a little too talkative, that one person who, whatever it might be. And yet we truly felt like we enjoyed every single person who walked through our door. And that was just, so I'm like, I think using prayer and asking God, like build an affection for each other in the group that you have formed. I think that's the beautiful side. Like that's the encouraging side is that, yes, it might not be what you expected, but it could become something that right. It can be better, you you know, and it's because a lot of times, I mean, I would say that, most of the things that I would have fashioned for myself in life, you know, that, mm. you know, maybe the real thing, yes, is maybe not as easy or as more difficult in a lot of ways, but also somehow, because our God is a redeeming God, it's also more beautiful and, <laughs> and richer. I love that. I mean, it's kind of, and sort of what you just said was like, so the challenging thing is that we're all different. But also the encouraging thing is that we're all different because it's an opportunity for us to (laughs) rely on the Lord to shape our hearts in such a way that we really see each other. You know, we spent a lot of time last week in our week one episode. We had Dr. Allison Cook on the show, and she's a a therapist and does a lot of work in like boundaries and just emotional health and that kind of stuff. And so super important. And so we spent a lot of time acknowledging that a lot of us, many of the people within the sound of our voices today have experienced unhealthy Christian community, you know, in a variety of ways and even just, you know, unhealthy relationships or, you know, even like, interpersonal relationships or like toxic relationships or friendships and just relationships where we were have been on the receiving end of some really difficult and poor choices you know mm-hmm. from other people and mm-hmm. and we've been wounded you know and and so I think a lot of us can relate to that and some of you listening that's a big part of your story and especially when it comes to the church like the church is in a unique position to really wound when scripture is misused or 
the gospel and the heart of God are misrepresented. And so, so there are a lot of caveats to some of these conversations that we're having. Now, if you guys listening have our study book for this study, there's a weekly response at the end of both weeks where it'll just kind of help you think through how are these commands that we're reading in Scripture providing clarity about like what you're experiencing in Christian community? A lot of the commands, the one another commands, kind of they are all very interwoven. They all kind of relate to each other, mm-hmm. which is interesting and helpful to take a look at that too. And then, like, what does it look like to practically live some of these out? You know, because they're aspirational. Like, this is the way we want to live, but also mm-hmm. they're practical. Right. Yeah. So, okay. We're going to start with hospitality, which is like one of my favorite topics, (laughs) and also probably one of the things that I find the hardest, Mm. which is kind of a bummer, Um, (laughs) because I want to be really good at it. I'm not that great at it. So, Bailey, would you read for us? Let's dive into that Romans 15 passage. Yeah, that sounds great. So this is Romans 15, 4 through 7. For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction— so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the scriptures. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another, according to Christ Jesus, so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. Therefore, welcome one another, just as Christ also welcomed you to the glory of God. Yeah. Welcome one another, just as Christ also welcomed you. So we know, like— love one another because I have first loved you. So you are to love one another. And so, but this is like a more specific call to welcoming. And I think there might be translations that say receive. Mm-hmm. So this thought of welcoming and receiving, I mean, what do you think, Bailey? Like, what are the implications if we're called to do that as Christ has welcomed us? Like, what does that mean? How has Christ welcomed us? And what does mm-hmm. that change about the way For example, like you and your husband, Mm -hmm. welcoming literally into your home, (laughs) welcoming others in because Christ has welcomed you. Yes. Well, I think that, and I'm sure you guys touched on this last week too, but to be able to welcome or receive someone, you truly need to start with your welcome from Christ, like really understanding and resting and I think rejoicing in the fact that, that with your you know, weaknesses and with your sin, like Christ is still welcoming you into mm-hmm. a relationship with Him, welcoming yeah. you to walk with Him, welcoming you to be in His social circle. Yeah. And I think that when we can at least start there, then yeah. truly welcoming one another or receiving one another does, I don't want to say it becomes simple and just like never complicated. <laughs> just magical. But, yeah. Yeah. It's just magical. <laughs> You'll never feel frustrated or put out or <laughs> like, you know, a burden. No, but you will, I think, receive just, you know, joy. Yeah. Um, in the practice of welcoming one another. And one yeah. thing that I think gets tricky with hospitality is people always think it's synonymous with home. Yeah. You right. know, thinking like, oh, welcoming one another, uh, like, okay, that means I need to like, you know, literally like open my door and say, come on in. 
And I think it's just important here to remember what kind of welcome is Christ offering to us? Mm. And I think it's an emotional one. It's a spiritual one. I like to think of it as, you know, He's leaving us better than when we first approached Him, Um, Mm. whether it's offering, you know, that rest or that comfort or that peace that we were really seeking in relationship. providing for us. yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, this little welcome, this could happen, you know, in your car, at the That's Target right. parking lot. This That's could happen right. in like the foyer of your church building. This could yes. happen outside at the park where you are offering a space for someone to come as they are yep. and to leave better than when they first, you know, got there. I like went and looked up what's the definition for hospitality. I was <gasps> like, what are people saying? And one thing they say is, you know, creating a real space for people to be known and filled up, like a physical right. space. But then it also said a friendly and generous reception. Mm. of guests and visitors or strangers. And to me, that generous reception, oh, this is where it really gets me. You said you were not good at hospitality. <laughs> I always am like, how can I offer a generous welcome? Meaning how can yes. I be generous with my time, yeah. generous with my attention, generous with my listening skills, and mm-hmm. then also like generous with my prayer. Like these are the ways that you are welcoming as like Christ has welcomed you. And so again, I think like, don't get hung up on like, it's gotta be my house. It's gotta look like this. It needs to have scones, which I do love my baked goods. I'm really trying to make- (laughs) Scones are very, very good. I've been trying to make hashtag carbs and community a thing because I love my carbs. I I do have a t-shirt that it's like a pajama shirt, but it has (laughs) a heart on the pocket and it says carbs. It's just like a love- poem to carbs or a love letter to carbs on a t-shirt but it's true and I love this so much because that's exactly it like it's not only yes you are hospitable through actions that is absolutely a way to show hospitality and to physically like receive someone into a home or Mm -hmm. but I also like that you said into just a space like creating like a space for some reason I'm thinking about like When I was a younger mom with younger children, I mean, we still have a seven-year-old, but when my twin boys were babies, that's what I really think of about when I was like in the thick of young motherhood, right? And, And I think about when I would take them anywhere, (laughs) just anywhere, (laughs) that the people around me, it would require the space, like we could only be in safe spaces, not just like free from harm. I mean, like, people who were going to receive us to not be annoyed by us to like, make room for us to be loud and be like a presence because we were a kind of a loud, (laughs) boisterous presence. And so I think about like, the moms who and dads who when we would go to our neighborhood playground, when they would see us coming would be like, Hey, yeah, and be like, happy to see us as opposed to like, Oh, man, like, (laughs) here comes these like two tornado children toward my quiet park bench. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, I mean, it really is a posture of the heart. It really is the posture of receiving and welcoming. And you said at one point, just as we are, Like, you know, Jesus dared associate with sinners while they were still sinners, (laughs) right? Yeah. And so for us to give the gift of our presence, 
and realize. I mean, that doesn't mean like, oh, we're so wonderful and you're so lucky to be in my presence. No, like (laughs) it's our presence and our time. There are resources that we have Mm -hmm. and that we can withhold Mm -hmm. from people. And so to give those, especially in a day when we fancy ourselves to be very, very busy all the time, those really are gifts. So we were reading from... Romans 15, and Paul keeps going after, like, where you stopped. Mm-hmm. He he talks about this specific thing that he is doing in order to welcome others into the gospel. So, you know, Paul, we learned when we read Acts together as a community that, you know, there's a verse in the, the passage about his conversion where the Lord says, he's my chosen instrument to bear my name before you know, Jews, Gentiles, kings. And so he says in verse 8, For I say that Christ became a servant of the circumcised on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises of the fathers, and so that Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles, and I will sing praise to your name. Again, it says, rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord. All you Gentiles. So he's repeating this over and over, and it's for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. Tell us, I see your face lighting up. What is he doing here? Like, there is a way that Paul is specifically welcoming Gentiles. Yes, I feel like to even understand or like make that first verse welcoming one another even more full is Mm -hmm. I feel like he's speaking in the specific context of you Jews, like we are now going to be welcoming in the Gentiles to be in community with us. And I'm like, I can't quite think of like a modern day example, except for like when you've got a group of friends and there's a new girl and you're like, Mm. ugh, I don't really want her to ruin the dynamic. I don't really Mm -hmm. know if we have space for her to come hang out with us. And instead, like having really a mindset of okay, how am I, again, like creating space to welcome people who may be different, who we may not like the first time we've met them? Or again, here he's saying this is, you know, a group of people that maybe the Jews didn't think were worthy of being, um, you know, in their godly community. And so to say, like, this is something that, like, your welcome not only is a great thing to do, but it is in service to glorifying God, to the promises of God. Like, this is always a part of his plan to expand his community. Oh, first one that he's talking about, it comes from 2 Samuel. This is that verse from 9 where it says, Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles, and I will sing praise to your name. Mm. In 2 Samuel, it says, like, I will praise you among the nations. And so, like, God's vision for always wanting to graft in everybody, you know, to be in community with one another. And so, yes, like this will be hard. There will be growing pains. But he's like, again, we can do this through Christ's example of welcoming us. We can welcome people who we may have never thought would be a part of our communities. That's right. Yeah. And it doesn't automatically happen. Like there is a work that we do to intentionally welcome one another. And the Jewish people and the Gentiles were a great example of that because this was a historic you know, division that the gospel had, the gospel of Jesus reconciled and brought together. You know, we have somewhere in this week's reading, we have Christ is all and is in all. Like there's the Christ reconciles us not only to him, but to one another. Yes. And so 
that's really the basis of, like you said earlier, of our hospitality. Mm-hmm. This reading day, I think, is really going to encourage you all, like in First Corinthians, where Paul uses the example of he's talking about the Lord's Supper. And so that's another example of this hospitality, like where he's essentially saying, like, don't miss the point <laughs> of this meal that you are partaking. The point of this is is identification with Jesus Christ as Savior, right? But also fellowship among believers. It's a table. It is a gathering. So in this idea of the Gentiles and Jews like sharing a meal together and yeah. that idea of like wait for one another, like don't yeah. rush ahead. Don't, yeah. in this context, he's talking about, you know, if you're hungry, like don't rush to eat the food, like eat at home first. They live That's right. So he's like, he's, eat at home and then come. And right. then you can yeah. like, wait for everyone together to participate in this like love feast. And I really appreciate that sentiment of waiting for each other and having that be another example of, of I think this like hospitable reception. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. Okay, friends, that time of year is upon us. This Friday is Black Friday and we have a sale for you. You are not going to want to miss this year's She Reads Truth Black Friday Cyber Monday sale. We have some really exciting deals planned for you in the She Reads Truth shop. There's going to be a new sale every day this weekend. So this is the perfect opportunity for you to either stock up on studies for yourself, which is okay, give yourself a Christmas gift, or to cross Christmas gift shopping off of your to-do list by gifting truth to your friends and family. Plus, y'all, I can't wait. The brand new She Reads Truth holiday collection will be live in the shop starting Friday. And I will tell you, the entire team here at the office at She Reads Truth headquarters is gushing over this new collection. So mark your calendars, go to shereadstruth.com slash Black Friday this weekend to save big and be the first to see the 2021 holiday collection. That's shereadstruth.com slash Black Friday. It feels like the transition to the next reading day is a bit of a bumpy one. And this is what happens when this is your proof, everyone, that we take our lead from Scripture instead of making like, well, here are the beautiful, nice, warm, fuzzy things that we think that should be part of Christian community. But instead, we see what Scripture says and then form the reading plan from that. The Tuesday reading is submitting to authority. You know, there's... Plenty of passages in scripture about authority, about power, about there's a lot about justice, like these things. You know, it's so important to remember that we hold, we take all of scripture as truth and God's word. And so that, you know, it's just important to keep that conversation from last week in mind that like scripture is never to be interpreted to mean something that is inconsistent with itself. Like it's scripture doesn't contradict itself and God doesn't contradict himself. Like his nature is not contradictory. And so we have this here in first Peter. I'm just going to read a few verses from this passage. Yes. This first Peter five, this is one through five. Mm-hmm. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed shepherd God's flock 
among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd with a capital S appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. In the same way, you who are younger be subject to the elders, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And then the previous passage, we have a passage from Ephesians 5 in this day that says to submit to one another in the fear of Christ. And so, but again, taken with the fullness of what we know to be true about how Jesus lives his life, right? And so there are some things that this means and some things it doesn't mean. What do you think about this description, Bailey? And in 1 Peter 5, I love that the call to submit to the elders, for example, that that is preceded by some really important context. Yes. I think that in general, I want to say as I was like reading through this, I thought this was a really poignant part of week two is this Mm -hmm. idea of submitting to authority Mm -hmm. um, because I kind of came back again to this idea of respect, respecting one another in the family of God when I think the opposite of that. So example, towards the end of 1 Peter 5, you know, it talks about um, clothing yourselves with humility. Mm -hmm. Um, The opposite of that I think is pride. And I think pride is where you begin to see division in the family of God. And that is where... I mean, I don't think the Lord wants that at all, but I think that's where things start to go in the opposite direction of being, you know, of one mind or one voice. And so that's something that I think I see. What are you seeing here? Absolutely. And, And you have this call to clothe yourselves with humility toward one another in verse five, in the same way you who are younger be subject to the elders, which is a version of submitting to their authority. But there's all this description about how the elders are to shepherd the flock, right? Like this is not a blind submission to authority. It actually, when we think about this command to submit to authority and to submit to one another in the church out of reverence for Christ, we want to do that. We also want to be people who are worthy of that <laughs> because we all have someone in our sphere. You know, like we have, we were just talking about children. I am their authority and they are to submit to me because I'm their mom and I love them and I want to take care of them and I want to provide for them. And I'm just using this as an example. This is directed to elders, but that phrasing where it says, you know, don't lord your power over them. Like, that's not what this is about. This is, you are to be examples. You are to shepherd. I think shepherding is such both like a tender language, but also like a really strong language. Like a shepherd is going to care for the flock. He's also going to protect and, you know, protect the flock from predators and mm-hmm. um, and make sure that they're safe and that they have food and stuff. So it's, again, this is just a reminder that these commands are not, they don't go in just one direction. Like these relationships are reciprocal. And so there's, you know, in the same way that we are to submit to authority, those in authority over us also have an authority that yes. they submit to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't read it in this week, but there's the passage in, it might be later in Ephesians 5, 
and then into six, where Paul appeals to Christ as the ultimate authority. And mm-hmm. that even like, you know, even in the conversation about parents and children, slaves and masters, like there's this appeal. It's really radical the way he phrases it because he is actually addressing the one in power and saying, you are accountable to a higher power, mm-hmm. um, yes. which is pretty radical. That's so good. I also appreciate that like God will help us submit to authority, you know, we can yeah. trust him, but I love yeah. following that first Peter five verse seven. It says, you know, cast all your cares on him because he cares about you. Yeah. And you're just always like, you know, yeah. whatever situation you might be in, because there's a lot of different ones when it comes to authority in the family of God. And, you know, it's not always perfect and it doesn't always come out just or fair. And yet yeah. God is asking us to live in harmony with one another. And that means, you know, submitting at times. And so often I have to remember, like, if I have these cares and concerns, like how much more does God have like care and concern yeah, for, must, totally. for me? And so I'm like, you can cast those on him. So again, as you maybe you're reading through this day specifically and you're like, oh, the family of God and submitting to elders and I don't know how I feel about this. Just yeah. remember that you can cast those concerns on the Lord because he he does. He cares about them and he cares yeah. about you. And you can kind of take some, I think, encouragement and peace. Take that with you yeah. as you work through this. Yeah. And it's important, too, to know that, you know, we mentioned difficult, you know, circumstances and, and times when when authority has been misused. And, you know, especially in an age where with media and social media, like we unfortunately can know what's happening everywhere all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's important to know that like that submission does not equal participating in sin. It doesn't equal like condoning unhealth or in just as we're reading scripture and context matters, right? The context matters. Yes. (laughs) And two, as believers, like you and I, as well as like we and our pastors, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, head pastors of the churches that we attend, we all have a shared authority, in God. Like we have as believers, we have placed ourselves under the authority of God and of the gospel and of God's word. So there is not a position of power that is a permission slip to just exercise that power however you see fit. Like that's mm-hmm. not a thing that exists, especially in the church where all of these other community, these other one another commands exist, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man, that's one that I wish that's a tough one to just kind of read through and keep going because it's really one where I would just encourage you all if you've, if you have questions about that day, like Bailey said, like lean into those questions. But also, this is what I mean, we love our online community, but there is, there is no replacement, including She Reads Truth. She Reads Truth is no replacement for in person local church community in a community of believers that you can sit across a table from and have these conversations, people who can know you and know your heart and where we can make space for each other Mm -hmm. to ask these conversations, to ask these questions. So on a similar note, that day is followed by avoiding division, which (laughs) there's so many calls to unity. I mean, even the call to submitting to authority is a call to unity, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. What should we read from this day? It's so good. 
I know. It's I so took good. a lot of notes because I just, I love it. It's so good. Will you read for us maybe? So here's something that I found interesting. So I'm going to read James 4, 11. Okay. And then I would love for you to read it in context for us because <laughs> this, I think, is such a good example where, you know, it's so important to read the context of these commands and understand the fullness and the heart of them. So James 4, 11 says, don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. That word criticize there is actually, I think, a stronger word in the Greek than what we would say is to criticize. Like, it's a word that means to slander. Like, it Mm. translates more closely to slander. And so that, I feel like, automatically gives me some more context. But to just say, don't criticize one another, we might say, but wait, (laughs) Aren't we to sharpen one another? Aren't we right. to to hold one another accountable? But let's read it in its context. Would you read 1 through 12 for us? Absolutely. This is James 4, 1 through 12. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Or do you think it's without reason that the scripture says, the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy— but who are you to judge your neighbor? You know, I had to go back and kind of look up the law, what they were talking about here. Oh, good. And yeah, share that with us. In James 2.8, he says the like royal law is to love your neighbor above yourself. So I believe that here we're talking about the second greatest commandment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that helps kind of put this in context of thinking about you know, don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters, because yeah. if you do, you're kind of going against this law of loving your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Um, and I don't yeah. think if we go back to uh, how we feel about ourselves, you know, we're <laughs> often <laughs> we're often very proud and looking to kind of please our own selves. And so what does that look like then to instead submit to God, resist the devil, draw near to him, and take this posture of humility— Right. That right. then allows us to, I think, see one another less as enemies, competition. Yes. Uh, yeah. I would say those two specifically. And instead, I would say, like, genuinely, how are we treating people the way yeah. that we want to be treated? Yeah. And as family. Like, yeah. we're not competition. We're actually family. We're part of the body of Christ together. And I think you're exactly right when we have that that call to that greater commandment of loving one another as Christ has loved us. 
And we have, you know, all of this at the beginning of James 4 that you just read, where this call to humility, and you know, and there's the, I don't know where this definition came from, because it's not actually a definition, it's more like a saying, mm-hmm. um, but the saying that, you know, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. But it is helpful, I think, in that, like, this is not a, a woe is me, I am... This is not a like wallowing situation. This is a humility. It's a posture of submitting to God, of recognizing that we don't have clean hands and pure hearts, or (laughs) we're not single-minded. You know, all of these things, like these things should grieve our hearts. And so when we have a proper view of God, and therefore a proper view of ourselves, And then the way that we interact with one another, like this day is called avoiding division because we are called to be in community with one another. And you can't be in community with one another if we are tearing down instead of building up. That just doesn't work out. I mean, that's what, you know, this, all of these one another commands Mm -hmm. are things that are to be marks of Christian community. And so that means that our community as believers should look different than a community with Christ and based in Christ should look very different than one that is not. Um, Like we have always needed this word from Paul. I'm going to read it. It's only three verses, but it's just so rich. It says, For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters, only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. So you, you know, I mentioned that you have a book coming out, which is very exciting next year. And it's called, let's see, I have it right here. Together is a Beautiful Place. What a good title, Bailey. It's beautiful. Finding, keeping, and loving your friends. Mm -hmm. So the fact that it says keeping (laughs) makes me think (laughs) that you have given some thought to this topic of like avoiding division and like how... Mm This concept that specifically friendships among believers, you know, there are the obvious ways that we seek to, you know, bite and devour one another, to use Paul's language. But I think there are also ways that we don't intend to, you know, that we do without meaning. Mm -hmm. But like, give us a couple of little nuggets. I'm just curious about like, in the context of the gospel, Mm -hmm. what are some ways, some like practical ways that we fight against that instinct that we have to tear others down for the sake of building ourselves up because it's in all of us, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that you're right. I'm so excited about this book because a lot of it is kind of approaching this, like the messiness of the community that we're talking Mm -hmm. about and still choosing to fight for togetherness, Um, you know, and just because I think that's truly where the Lord would love to see us one day. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I often like to talk about when it comes to disrupted relationships, especially in the church, is the importance of reconciliation. And I know we're going to be talking about forgiveness here later on for the week, but I just don't think that our culture has had enough practice in reconciliation. And so that's why we see a lot of this idea of like the term ghosting or they just never got back to me or, 
you know, there's these vague conclusions to godly relationships that actually causes like more pain than just having had approached one another. Um, Again, I'm like out of respect, out of, I think what the Lord would say, like, this is someone made in the image of God. This is someone Mm -hmm. who I love. I always say that, like, if you feel like there is a sister out there who is against you, like God loves them. Like God That's cares right. for them That's the right. same way He loves and cares about you. He sees yeah. them with the same like heart and affection and compassion as He sees you. So mm. it comes a lot with, you know, I think taking on the eyes of God, really having this perspective of this person. We may have had some kind of conflict or there may have been a hurt that has been shared, but it is worthwhile to come and have, you know, asked for forgiveness, confessed or apologized for your part And then to have done everything you could have done to honor that relationship so that you can walk away again. I'm thinking, you know, you can walk away having peace with the Lord that you did everything you could. And so I think with that peace, I always think people assume I'm not going to reconcile because I don't ever want to be in relationship with them again. But I don't think that's what God is asking. I don't think reconciliation equals best friends. Um, That You have to forget what has happened. Like forgetfulness and forgiveness, again, not the same thing. So right. do you think That's that right. the Lord calls us to forgive? But you don't have to forget. And if this is an unhealthy relationship, then you have permission to to walk away. But remember that this person is still a part of the family of God. Like you'll yeah. still see this person. They might still be in your Bible study. They might still be at your women's retreat. They might still show up and lead worship at your church on Sunday mornings. And I have, from personal experience, when I have had the opportunities to really come and have those, like, reconciled conversations, Mm -hmm. the amount of peace and almost, again, this idea of, like, submitting to this idea that they can still be in community without it being a threat to my well-being, that reconciliation piece, like, the Lord is going to restore some sort of, I think, harmony in the family of God versus, and and I know as I'm saying this, so many of you are thinking— I've seen good and I've seen bad. So when you don't do that, like that's where this uncomfortability comes in. This is when people leave the church because they don't want to show their face anymore. There's shame. There's regret. You know, all those, I think, negative feelings, which can still be a part of even a healing conversation. But I think really encouraging people that it is so hard, but like the spirit is with you. Yeah. Um, I think that you're hitting on something here, and we can go ahead and talk about that forgiveness piece on Thursday. The readings for Thursday are so good. I'm excited for all of God's Word. I celebrate all of it. But in <laughs> on Thursday, this extending forgiveness and encouragement mm-hmm. is the title of the day. And there's just so much here that's just so, so rich. But I'm looking at the moment at... There's so much talk of encouraging one another. And right now I'm looking at First Thessalonians where, you know, Paul is actually, he's encouraging the church. The title of the section is the day of the Lord. So, you know, this is one of those times when Paul's getting really like fired up and is talking, giving them like a really strong pep talk. But he says in verse five, you are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then... Let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. And it keeps going. So there's a lot about like, God didn't appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ. Verse 11, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up 
as you are already doing. So all that to say, like, there's an urgency to this encourage one another. Like, this is not like a tender, well, let's give each other a hug now and then a little pat on the back. Like, no, like our encouragement of one another and building one another up, like that is an essential part of community because this life and specifically the Christian life, it's difficult. And Jesus said it would be, right? He just said, keep in mind, the world hated me first, (laughs) right? And in this world, you will have trouble. I love that about Jesus, that he doesn't pretend that life is easy and that this is going to be a path of ease. But this urgent language of like, encourage one another, build each other up. And then there's a specific section about like, encouraging those who lead and to be at peace among everyone, to be patient with everyone. And this verse 15, here we get into some forgiveness language. Mm -hmm. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I mean, all these little one-liners, don't stifle the Spirit, don't despise prophecies, but test all things, hold on to what is good, stay away from every kind of evil. So, like, these calls to encourage one another, pursue what is good for one another, like, it's in this series of, like, you can just tell. It's like, I just feel like he's trying to get it all out on the table <laughs> for the Thessalonians, right? Yes. Like, I'm trying to say all the things that are important and need to be said. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. That exhortation and blessing section, yeah, it is so encouraging. As I read it, I feel this fervor and excitement to like love my sisters. Like that's truly mm-hmm. how I feel. And I'll be honest, like I don't feel that way every day because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, because I'm sinful. So I have those parts yeah. of me that do, you know, get jealous and get mean spirited and get critical yeah. and ugh, all that yeah. messy stuff. And so I love, yes, that idea, like be self-controlled yeah. because there is so much need for encouragement in a world that is out, yeah, out to get us. But there's so much hard in this world. Like it doesn't need yeah. us to be hard on each other. Yeah. The so, enemy is out to get us. Yeah, for the sure, enemy is out to get right? us. Anyway, it's such a good perspective. And God's Word is such a gift to just give us that perspective (laughs) to hang on to. Totally. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Amen. Yes. He will do it. I do love the Thursday reading, but goodness, I just love the book of Colossians. It's just a little (laughs) bitty thing, but I like it so much. But in Friday's reading, which is our last true reading day of the week, we get to read from Colossians 3 and Ephesians 4, and this whole passage about the life of the new believer. And so, and there's more talk about forgiveness and, you know, putting on the new self. We're being renewed in knowledge according to the image of our Creator. Yes. God, oh, I just, what, what can we read? I want to hear you yeah. read Scripture one okay, more time because so- it's my favorite. I actually loved, you also put this at the benediction in the very back, Colossians 3, 14 through 16. Yes, You know what? That. It became the perfect, I'll get into it. It became like the perfect conclusion for what yeah. this life in community looks like. But Colossians 3, 14 through 16 says, Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you are also called in one body, rule your hearts. And be thankful. 
Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Hmm. As I read this and I just was like, this is a perfect uh, maybe script of like what you walking away, entering back into your community, like what is this yeah. going to look like? In verse 14, it starts with putting on the love of God. That's right. To, you know, dress yourself with this love that is going to create a perfect bond of unity. Like that's kind of like step one, practice one, discipline, spiritual discipline one, like be in the love of Jesus so that you are filled that's up right. to go out there and be love. The second yeah. thing I loved was being thankful. Yeah. I think that we get a, when we talked about the maybe like that critis, critical spirit or mm-hmm, unmet mm-hmm. expectations, dissatisfaction with your community because it doesn't look this way or that way and giving up on people. Yeah. Be thankful for yes. the gift of community. Like be thankful for the people God has put in your path, put right in front of you, your coworkers or your, you know, neighbors, but especially the family of God. Like there is mm-hmm. no accident in where you are. And I believe each relationship is, you know, God is doing something there. And then the third thing is this verse 16, I feel like then tells us what does it look like then to live out as a community? Yeah. You know, it's to be in the word of God. May it dwell richly among us. It's to be teaching and admonishing. Yeah. It's to be singing psalms and hymns and just praising God Mm -hmm. with our hearts. I'm like, what does it look like now to be like, well, okay, I'm ready for to be involved and engaged in my, in my family of, you know, of the church here. And I'm like, that's what it looks like. It doesn't, it really is. Yeah. You know, a lot of other things come with that, but simply doing those few things like that is beautiful. It is life-changing, transforming. Finally, in verse 17, Amanda, I really liked this (laughs) says in whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the father through him. And I like this word, whatever, um, right, because there's right. not one way for community. Your community oh, will that's good. not look the same as someone else. Yeah. It's like whatever you're doing, whether you're doing the 6 a.m. meeting at you know Panera and you're opening up your Bible and reading the Word of God, or whether you're on the street ministering to people, or you're meeting in homes, or you're meeting right. at the you know pickup line at school, like whatever you do, you know if you're doing yeah. it in the name of Jesus, like you are in, you're in community. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a one size fits all filter for the things that we do. Like, are we doing this in Jesus name and giving thanks? And mm-hmm. and are we doing this for the sake of this gospel <laughs> that has very literally just rescued us, right? Mm-hmm. And is transforming our lives. I mean, you guys will read, I think it's back in Thursday. I love it so much from Hebrews 10, where it talks about the priest's you know, used to have to sacrifice time after time after time because the sacrifices couldn't really bring salvation. But Jesus sacrificed once for all time. And so it talks about the power of that forgiveness. That's the foundation for the love and the forgiveness that we're then able to offer. And so that we are in a community where you know, the foundation of this community, like, yeah, maybe the structure of our community is a little bit rickety, or maybe we aren't the best of like, (laughs) you know, maybe I don't have the fanciest charcuterie board or, um, you know, whatever, like maybe we're a little bit rusty at what it looks like to 
let other people in. And even in a time when we can't necessarily let other people into our physical space, like let other people in, metaphorically speaking, (laughs) to allow ourselves (laughs) to be in community, our greatest encouragement should come from the fact that our community is founded on the love and grace and mercy of Jesus Mm -hmm. that we all need in equal measure, right? Mm -hmm. We all need God's forgiveness and love, and we are all sinners who need a Savior. And so I'm going to read, just as a benediction for our time in this beautiful collection of Scripture, right before the passage that you read in Colossians 3. I love this. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved... There it is. There's our God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, which Lord knows we have grievances against one another, right? Large and small. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. And then here's your verse. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity and let the peace of Christ to which you are also called in one body rule your hearts and be thankful. That is my prayer. That's my prayer for this this She Reads Truth community for all of you listening that and it's my even more than that, it's my prayer for your individual faith communities. The people that see your faces and are there when you cry your tears and when you (laughs) jump up and down for joy and know all the things, the ins and outs of your life. Like that's my prayer is that God would, if it's not something that you have in your real life, (laughs) that God would provide that for you, a community, however large or small, where you can know Jesus more fully because of being in community with other believers. Just such a, it's so encouraging. Bailey, thank you for the work that you do to help us be better friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be better friends. Yeah. When is your book coming out? When can we look for it? Yep, April 5th, 2022. But oh. it's available to pre order, you know, all the places. So, oh, that's exciting. It is. That's exciting. pretty fun when you start to see it pop up and. I Online retail. That's exciting. Well, and in the meantime, friends, next week, it is very hard to believe that next week is Advent. Advent is starting. Thanksgiving is here. Advent is starting. So next week, we will kick off our Advent series with the one and only Annie F. Downs. We love Annie, and we have been on Annie's podcast many times to talk about Advent, but this is the first time that she has been on our podcast to talk about Advent, so we're stoked about that. But until next week, Bailey, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles. 